Hello, this is Minute 82 of As If, the podcast about Clueless, where we talk about Clueless minute by minute. I am Darren, your host, and today I have with me Nick. Hello, Nick. Hello. And I have Scott. Hello, Scott. Hi. They've been with me all week, and here we are, finally, at the end of the week. It's Friday, and our minute begins with Mel um, saying, to tell you the truth, I'm not sure I want you with a stupid fella like that, (laughs) not realizing that he's talking about Josh. (laughs) And it finishes with Cher... Um, well, it finishes with a, a lovely shot of Dion and Murray on the benches uh, next to what appears to be the main walkway at Occidental College, which is where they shot all the outdoor stuff. And uh, But before that, Sherry's in the middle of a voiceover talking about um, how her friends are all good in different ways and how Christian always likes things to be beautiful and interesting. Um, and that is, our, that is our minute. That's our final minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get the end of um, Mel and Cher. You know, they're on the couch. They're, they're, they're kind of just talking about how to, how to solve Cher's problem with this boy. Um, and Cher is saying that, you know, he's a, he's a smart guy. Because Mel's just called him a stupid fella. And um, he's a smart guy. And he's one of those do-gooder types. Um, and now I feel like all my after-school commitments are just not good enough, Cher says. Um, and... <laughs> Which is, I mean, it's kind of true because her after after school commitments are mostly buns of steel and mm-hmm. shopping. Um, so, and Mel is like, well, you know, how can you say that? Who takes care of everyone in this household? Who makes sure that daddy eats right? To tell you the truth, I've not seen such good doing since your mother. And, you know, Cher is like, really? And Mel, of course, is like, really? And then he says, now get back to work. <laughs> 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 and I, I think like Dan Hedaya, aside from his use of daddy, which um, in the last set of minutes that I was talking about um, featured the use of the word daddy. And I know that my co-hosts were not particularly happy with that phrase being used to refer to Mel. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know, like it's kind of been ruined by the Internet somewhat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. A, it is a little weird phrase to hear here. But yeah. You know, Mel's Mel's basically saying, you know, like you do you do a lot of stuff around here. I mean, I'm not sure it's 100 percent true. I'm sure that Lucy would argue this point, um, but you know, she d- she does try to make sure that Mel eats right. She, you know, she. I, I think he's overestimating it when he says that he's not seen such good doing since since her mother. But I I, I applaud the sentiment. You know that he's sure. he's basically telling her that you know she's not terrible. You know she. She might be like a, a rich, white, pretty blonde girl living in Beverly Hills, but you know she she is slightly better than what you would think of the stereotype of of that would be. Yeah. You know, she she does care about other people. She she does feel about other things. You know, if if she was like just one of those kind of like airhead cliches, she wouldn't even give any consideration to what her after school commitments were. You know, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like he's just kind of telling her, you know, you are better. You are better than like what people would think you are. 
Um, yeah, and I think I think I like what's the- important about about this scene in particular and what he's saying is like, I I think it's it's important for the audience too because I mean at this point, Amy Heckerling is bending over backwards to explain to people like yeah it's one thing for Cher to be in love with Josh, it's another thing for her to deserve him I guess because he seems like such a great guy this guy who does all of this like charity work or whatever and 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 fights for all these causes and share isn't like that and so this doesn't make any sense that they would be together and so what this scene is really about is mel explaining no just because you don't do things like he does them doesn't mean that you're not worth anything um yeah yeah and it's it's a really wise message for a movie to have which is like there's more than one way to be a good person. And, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like it kind of – it's weirdly timely right now because, you know, I, I, I was having conversations with, you know, so many friends, you know, because we, we live in such turbulent times right now and, and, you know, in multiple continents. And, you know, it's like, am I a bad person if I don't march? Am I a bad person if I don't protest? Am I a bad person if I don't change my profile picture to whatever it's supposed to be t- today, you know? And and it's like, no, there, 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 are, there are many ways – to be altruistic and to be charitable. And it kind of reminds me of why I, I did, I did not think I was going to talk about Emma this much when I woke up this morning, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it really reminds me of why I loved the the book so much, because it is about this really delightful character that, 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 that just sees the good in everyone and uh, kind of defies, you know, much in the way that Cher, you know, Cher sort of defies, your expectations of her if you were to see her walking down the street you know what i mean mel is not just kind of like um uh you know like i think he knows that Cher has got like self-esteem i think he knows that she she you know she isn't kind of like fragile in any way but i think he's also very careful to you know say to her you know like you are you are equal to whoever this guy is like whoever this guy is whatever he's making you feel whatever you think like he's wrong you you are you are equal to whoever you are trying to go after, you know, the, the, you are the prettiest girl in Beverly Hills, which kind of goes without saying, but also, you know, you look after people, you feel things, you are not some kind of uncaring person who doesn't deserve to be with a certain person. You know, this is, this is completely, um, you know, this is something that, 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 you know, she can, she should be pursuing. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting actually, because like we, we talked about like kind of like the protective father thing, and I feel like a cliched thing about that would be if the protective father hears that, you know, their daughter is interested in a guy, he wants to know the name so he can go and beat them up, you know, like, whereas with this case, you know, Mel, Mel doesn't want to, like, know the name of the guy. He isn't really concerned about that. He just wants Cher to know that, you know, that whatever she wants to do, she she should do because she's a good person. Um, and I, I think that's a, I think that's a good message. Uh, you know, particularly for a father daughter, like sons get a ton of people telling them they're great. Like that goes without saying. Like um, it's nice to see this between a father and a daughter, where he's he's kind of encouraging her and and kind of saying to her, you know, you you are you are as good as anyone else. There's no need for you to kind of second guess what you're doing. You know, just go tell this guy <laughs> to be with you. Basically, <laughs> you're 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 Cher Horowitz. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't he know who you are? <laughs> Is there anything else to say about Mel? 
I think we've we've talked quite a bit about him this week. No, I think that's it. And then now we're 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 kind of into the the third act. I would say this is it. This is the final. This is the big kind of build up. From this point on, we are barreling towards the inevitable. Um, and share, you know, she gives us. She's sitting in class. Uh, we've got ourselves another costume change. She's wearing like a a pink cardigan. It's a little more understated than some of the stuff she's been wearing earlier in the film. You know, she's she's a bit more modestly dressed here. Um, and she's doing a lot of, um, a lot of face acting. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of thinking coming from Alyssa Silverstone here as she kind of, um, you know, moves her lips around and looks around with her, her, her extremely large eyes. And, uh, she tells us, you know, she was learning about the Pismo Beach disaster. Um, I can reassure you that there was never a disaster at Pismo Beach. So if you wish to visit Pismo Beach... Uh, you should probably go there. Um, I don't know. There's not really any time of the year where it's not cold in Pismo Beach. <laughs> maybe maybe October, November. The weather's quite nice. Go to Pismo Beach in October, November. There never was a disaster. <laughs> um, but they they make they kind of make it up because I feel like the the word Pismo Beach like just sounds like a bit beach that rich people go to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if something did happen, if there was an oil spill on Pismo Beach, you can bet that Beverly Hills High School which is obviously, you know, where, where this classroom is, you know, they would be organizing something to clean up Pismo Beach. Right. Um, and this is where Cher decides she needs a complete makeover, but this time it would be a makeover of her soul. Um, and then she's like, <laughs> what makes someone a, a better person? And, you know, she realized that all her friends are really good in different ways. And Christian, um, and we, we see Cher standing with Christian in, in an art gallery, looking at some pieces of art um you know he wants things to be uh to be to be uh beautiful and interesting which i feel in some ways is kind of share almost giving herself a little bit of a compliment <laughs> because you know christian christian showed a, a bit of an interest towards share earlier and yes maybe yeah. it was because she was beautiful and interesting <laughs> um <laughs> so <laughs> ju- ju- and and you know what that's exactly how i would describe the mighty mighty boss towns so that makes sense <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautiful yeah, and interesting yeah if i can describe the rascal king <laughs> in two words it'd be beautiful and interesting and then we finish our minute and we've got dion and murray which is literally what Cher finishes the minute saying <laughs> she says or dion and murray and that's where our minute <laughs> ends um and we finish with the visual of um a bench next to the, the the main walkway where we've seen the girls walk down you know side by side by side a number of times mm-hmm. and murray is in um uh like orange like like a orange like shorts and like a like a i don't know like a, a, a jacket like a matching jacket mm-hmm. and uh dion is um she's in green with uh like a green top with a green cardigan um and she's got like a and it looks like a look like a gingham skirt, mm-hmm. but the the weird thing is is um, that um, Dion is not in check um, because or she's not wearing plaid, and at this point, Cher isn't wearing plaid. So I'm guessing that you know uh, it's also worth noting at this particular point in the movie that um, Dion is no longer a virgin as well, right. having had the. Uh, the, the the tussle on the interstate so it feels like De- like murray and uh, dion has changed as well as Cher has changed but obviously you know she's grown up in a slightly different way to the way that Cher has grown up and maybe this kind of like costume changes is a little bit of an indication 
Um, but it is a it is a great looking shot because they're like on the bench and they're sharing a, a sandwich and you know they're in the middle of the frame and uh, like all of the kids dressed in their nineties clothes are walking behind them. Um, and you know it's a it's a nice way to finish the minute. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know now we've seen Dion and Murray, we get to talk a little bit about Dion and Murray. And I don't know what your I don't know what your guys' feelings are about Dion and Murray as the uh, like the only stable couple in the entire film, mm -hmm. uh, really. Um, and I think it's interesting as well that like the stable couple in the film are black. Like mm -hmm. I feel like in 1995 that that was like an interesting choice. And and I I, I I think like having them like they have arguments throughout the film, but they never uh, like a cliche of this type of thing would be to have the kind of uh, the, the second couple like break up at some point and then 10 minutes later kind of get back together after like being apart for a week or something. Um, and we don't get that. Like they argue all the time, like almost constantly, <laughs> even when they're on the, on the interstate, they, they yell at each other. And when they're at the party, they're yelling at each other. And like, you know, when they're on the drive to the party, they're yelling at each other. And like, there seems to be a constant kind of like, you know, fighting. And obviously share characterizes this as they've seen, um, What's love got to do with it? Too many times. Yeah, it, it's um, like a, it's like the, that couple that if you don't know them, you you ask, are they are they about to break up? And then the people that do know them, like, oh no, they're fine, they're fine. That's how they talk. And I feel that's what, and I feel it's interesting that that that, that is that is what um, uh, Dion and Murray are. That they're they're this couple who probably have been together since before high school, and they're probably going to be together for like another twenty years mm -hmm. after high school. Like they are they are the couple who who like have got together and are staying together. And I like that the film doesn't feel the need to break them up at any point and put them together. And it's worth noting that, um, that like this, they are not characters in Emma. There is no, and I, I don't even mean that from like the race point of view. There is no second couple in Emma that starts together and finishes together. And that is a contrast to mm -hmm. Emma's growth. It, they, there's just no real analog to this couple. Um, you know, Emma doesn't really have a best friend like that. She makes friends with Harriet, which obviously is Ty, but you know, she has a sister, but it's not really the same mm -hmm. kind of relationship. It's, you know, so I think it's interesting that Amy Heckling essentially put, put Dion and, and Murray into this film. And so she made all the choices, you know, some of the stuff with like Elton is dictated by copying the novel. Some of the stuff with Christian is dictated by copying the novel. Sure. But everything to do with Dionne Murray is Amy Heckling's choice. So I don't know how you guys feel about uh, Dionne Murray. I mean, I mean, I I'm, I I just love Donald Faison. I mean, I'm a big Scrubs fan, uh, mm -hmm. and I actually think Stacey Dash delivers a really good performance. And it, it 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 it's a shame watching this now, and you know, kind of she's sort of become a very controversial figure here in America. But I I, I think she's just really really good at this in this movie, and I think they have great chemistry as a couple. I was always disappointed that they that Stacey Dash never did like an arc on Scrubs, um, as oh, sort yeah. of like a sort of like a reunion kind of thing because I just would have loved to see her face off with the with the with the nurse that he ends up getting with. Yeah, with Carla. Yeah, yeah, Carla. Like Car Carla yeah. versus Stacey Dash, like in an episode of Scrubs with. Poor Turk stuck in the middle would have been like the most amazing thing ever <laughs> televised, or like, or like an ex girlfriend that like that just hates JD. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, it'd be so good. I would love that. This, I mean, they could still get they could still get them on um, on uh, Desperate, not Desperate Housewives, on um, Devious Maids. They could still get them on Devious Maids with uh, 
the actress who plays Carla, whose name escapes me, but she's currently on that. Oh so right, yes, right. They could still they could still do it somewhere. <laughs> uh, you know, there's still a chance that they could do it somewhere. My beloved mother is a, is a big big fan of Devious Maids. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with being a fan of Devious Maids. That okay. that show is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, at the moment I'm enjoying Devious Maids season four more than I'm enjoying Unreal season two, and I don't think I would have said that a year ago. But uh, still, that's what still happens to, with shows when they get in their second still season. Still need to watch Unreal. Still need to watch Unreal. Behind. Uh, Unreal is so good. Uh, the... the first season is great. Yeah. The second season has been a little less. Like it's a bit, bit more uneven. Yeah. Um, Trying the second season, man. Think. They're tough. Yeah. Oh, they are. They are tough. Not only that, but. Um, uh, the showrunner who was the veteran, I can't remember her name. Marty Noxon. Yeah, she she's not she's not co showrunning Unreal the second this this second season. Oh, it's just, it's, they've got a different they got a different showrunner in, and the the lady who used to be who used to work for the Bachelor or whatever. She's the she's the actual kind of she's the head writer now, so oh. that might contribute to why things have changed slightly, but. Uh, um, and like, yeah, Stacey Dash, I feel like her public persona now kind of overshadows, um, you know, what she's, what she did in Clueless, sure. which is a pity because, you know, um, in terms of like having a like black best friend, like the, I don't feel that this is, this film is like cliched in that way. Like having like one, you know, like she's all that 10 things I hate about you, you know, uh, bring it on, the like scary having like the token, yeah, having like the token black friend became like a thing that that happened, mm-hmm. um, and I I think probably Clueless is the first time where this is this is a thing. But Clueless doesn't fall into any of the the traps of of doing that. Like there's, you know, Dion is a essentially is a rich white girl, but as a black girl, <laughs> it's like like she isn't. There, there's like there's whenever whenever Murray tries to kind of do stuff like getting his head shaved and saying he's keeping it real and kind of talk about jeeping and calling Dion Murray and all this like, woman and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, they're, they're kind of know, living in a every... Frank Ocean album. Or a Frank Ocean album. They're, they're, they're kind of living in a Frank Ocean album. <laughs> Everything that you would think would be like a, a kind of cliche, mm-hmm. um, Dion objects to. Like every, every time Murray is trying to kind of pretend like he's from the hood, she's always like, I don't know why you're doing this. This is not... <laughs> You know, like, this is something that we are not doing. Like, you've ruined our senior picture. What am I going to tell our grandkids? Like, Mm. all of that kind of stuff. That isn't, that isn't usually the the kind of direction that these types of characters will be taken in. And I think, like, the choices that Amy Eckling made were, like, really interesting in terms of, like, that couple. Mm -hmm. Um, And also we get a tiny bit of Christian. And I don't know how you guys feel about Christian and his, you know, his 50 slang (laughs) and his kind of, the like persona that he puts on. I thought you know. he was super cool when I was a kid. And then I, when I, having not watched it in probably five years or so, five, maybe even longer, maybe closer to 10. Uh, I watched it again about a month ago and I was like, no, no one would like this kid. This kid would be, he would not be cool. <laughs> he would be the weirdo that everyone's like, like, what are you talking about? Like, no one would think that kid was cool. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You wouldn't think that a kid walking around today talking about where can you get hip to the latest clam bakes wouldn't, wouldn't not be <laughs> no. like a, a huge hit. Did Clueless, did, uh, did, um, I'm, I'm forgetting my film history. Did Clueless come out before or after Swingers? Ooh. Before. Before? Okay, because by I, a year, because it was sort of a revival, by almost like, exactly a year. Okay, yeah, because Swingers yeah. sort of ushered in this kind of like 
So maybe that subculture was already kind of a thing in California and Amy Heckerling was aware of it and kind of almost got ahead of the curve on, on this maybe sort of that's social true. Yeah, that strikes me as being true because no doubt we're also essentially underground at this point. And by the time the film came out, they'd start to have a bit of success, but no doubt weren't big until 96. Mm -hmm. So Amy Heckling was ahead of the curve. And there's almost the same with Radiohead. Radiohead weren't big in America until like 96, 97. Mm -hmm. So she was ahead of the curve on on that. But yeah, Swingers was July 96. And then um, Batman and Robin was exactly two years after Clueless to the day. Um, in terms of its release date, so wow, you know that's that's a wild two years right there. Yikes! Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> it's, it's interesting because yeah, it's interesting because a number of, of people have mentioned Swingers when talking about Christian during his you know minutes, and uh, yeah, I, to, to, it's weird because um, Swingers itself is kind of more of about the kind of mid sixties, kind of like. 50s crooners but as they as they were in the 60s when you know Beatlemania hit America and basically anyone wearing a suit and singing in a low voice was no longer popular mm -hmm. so Swingers is kind of going back to a point where pop music wasn't dominated by the Beatles and everything that followed mm -hmm. uh, whereas I think Christian is more of more of a 50s thing more about like beat poets and that kind of stuff so I feel like this, there's a slight difference uh, but obviously, if you're in 1995, someone talking in weird slang, it makes no difference, does it? So, <laughs> you know, the fact that he's going after a slightly different decade. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's weird because like the last minute with Christian was when he saved Ty, um, uh, which was like minute 70. And after, from that point until this minute, we haven't seen Christian at all, although Ty has spoken about christian a few times and you know even Cher was like maybe we should go do something for christian like to thank him and you know ty's schedule was filling up so you know there's been mentions of christian uh, but this is literally the last shot we get of christian is him in that art gallery he's not even at the wedding um you know so well well he shares kind of... he shares uh uh custody with his parents so he's probably with the other parent by that point that makes sense that makes sense yeah i think by the summer he probably would be elsewhere though if you're gonna pick spend your summer with the parent that is in california <laughs> like if you if you have a choice on the matter well where, where was the like other where was where the other parent uh i want to say chicago okay so you wouldn't want to be in chicago for the winter yeah but he was oh was he wasn't he because he wasn't yeah the the up until up until elton trying to try on with Cher. that's that's christmas Right, but then he, he showed he up. He showed up after that. After right? that, yeah, yeah, and he shows up just before spring break. Okay, because because they talk about like because after that bit, after the boss tones, they talk about Gale and spring break, don't they? So oh, okay, okay. Uh, this is the kind of thing that you would only notice when going through this film minute by minute. Oh, believe me, but but Chris, Christian's entry is the is the second term. He he comes in after Christmas, after the New Year, basically. Mm -hmm. So he's 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 spending winter and summer in Chicago apparently, and spending <laughs> spending the spring in California. Yeah, seems like a weird arrangement. Yeah, but I don't know what's going on with the Stovitz parents. But uh, <laughs> you know, well, there's never really a bad time because California is basically one giant season year round. So I mm -hmm. guess it, it doesn't matter when you visit California. I guess yeah. I guess if you, I mean, uh, yeah, and you know, Chicago summers aren't really cool. So. Yeah, I think it's pretty hot. <laughs> it's not like he's going to miss much. Yeah, so it's not like he's going to miss much. 
so I think that's it. Is there anything else that you wish to say about the film Clueless before we finish the finish the week? No, thank you for having us on. It's been it's such a fun movie to gush about and talk about. Yep, same. Yeah, no, I'm I'm. Thank you so much. I uh, I reached out as soon as I heard about the podcast and wanted to be on it. <laughs> Uh, so I was I was lucky to get in just as the I think the doors were closing on the on the guests. So well, it's been great having both of you on. Obviously, you know, um, I, I still have some Back to the Future minute to catch up on because obviously I've been busy editing oh, yeah. a podcast yeah. about Clueless. So, <laughs> so you know, but uh, yeah, it, like it's been great having you both on for this week. Um, I think it's worth noting as well that uh, you know, obviously, both of us stole the idea for this format from Star Wars Minute. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, and obviously, you know, we we owe a, a debt to them. I mean, when I started doing uh, a talking cast, which was a minute by minute podcast about the children's movie A Talking Cat, <laughs> um, I think a number of people were like, "Why are you talking about this film minute by minute?" And I don't think I could ever really answer that question properly. Uh, other than to say some people wanted to do it and so I ended up being the editor producer for that and obviously that's kind of led me to this point of talking about Clueless and as I was finishing the last Minute by Minute podcast up I was thinking what would be a fun film to talk about and particularly what would be a film that wasn't terrible to talk about Um, and like Clueless kind of occurred to me because I think I, I just remember it being so full of stuff to talk about. Like each minute has, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff going on, a lot of things that are worth talking about, a lot of interesting characters. Um, you know, this is not really a film that is slow in any way. Like it, it doesn't hang around on any particular storylines. It doesn't belabor any points. You know, uh, aside from the fact that they spend five minutes with the mighty mighty boss tones. Everything is relatively over quickly. Like, you know, stuff happens fast and they move on to the next storyline. You know, the fact that the fact that Christian is introduced and then he's kind of like a love interest and then his, you know, his sexuality is then kind of corrected and then he's gone. That happens within the space of like 13 minutes. So that's like, that's a fast storyline yeah. to be in a film to get like from start to end that quickly. Um, so, you know, I, I, I feel like Clueless is like one of those films that, um, like if you've seen it, you know, obviously you know how good it is. Um, but here's the weirdest thing. I decided to look at the Rotten Tomatoes reviews for Clueless because, I mean, as we record this, we are on the, what would have been the opening weekend Mm. 21 years ago. And I could only find one negative review that came out when Clueless was in theatres, which was, like, published on the, the 21st of, of July, um, 1995, it basically seemed to miss the point of the film because it was talking about how these teenagers are vacuous and self-obsessed and, you know, they've got all this weird slang and they, they're constantly dropping, like, references to, like, Ren and Stimpy and, you know, you know, jeeping his sex in a car. and Like, it, it, it completely missed what was going on with the actual film and got concerned with like all the the kind of surface stuff Mm -hmm. which i feel is like the message of the film is not to be concerned with the surface stuff it's to kind of look a little bit deeper than that Mm -hmm. and so it's funny that this like kind of negative review is like oh this film is all kind of shine and it's all pretty people and i don't feel that's what the film actually is um there were some other negative reviews on rotten tomatoes but those were from like 
later years though, from like a decade later or fifteen years later when it got like released on DVD or whatever. Mm. Um, but it was weird to it was weird to read a review of someone missing the point of this film. Yeah, uh, which <laughs> which like I I kind of can't understand how you could miss the point of the film because it's clearly meant to be like part of it are clearly satire on what you expect teenagers to be like and how you, you know how you expect rich people to be. Um, yeah. You know, and the rest of the film is just really well written. In fact, someone one of the reviews criticized it for being like a messy plot. And I was like, I do not understand that at all. This is the least messy plot ever. It is so tight from from moment to moment you are going through. And I don't say this just because I'm someone who's gone through it like minute by minute. But, <laughs> you know, within five, ten minutes, you've met every single character within like the, the time that Miss, Mr. Hall and Miss Geist get together is like 21 minutes into the film. And then they're into the second act. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the whole Elton thing is done within 10 minutes every part of this film is so tight Mm -hmm. uh, that it's crazy that anyone would review it and go this is a mess well i think it's i think it's probably because of the way it's structured because most films aren't done that way they're not they're not a series of vignettes like this movie is um almost to the point where you could do a version of clueless where Cher isn't the main character and you just visit all these separate vignettes like pulp fiction style you know um and because they're so kind of disconnected the only connecting tissue between all of them is share um and so i I could i could see someone not understanding what the movie is trying to do with the structure and thinking that it's messy uh even even though yeah like you said it's absolutely not it's just working at a different at a different pace than most movies are also it's worth noting that both of the two negative reviews didn't even pick up on the fact that it was based on emma (laughs) um whereas most of the positive reviews were like this is a modern update of emma so (laughs) um and that is something that is not anywhere in the film aside from the fact that elton is called elton there's no indication anywhere in the film that this is an update of emma it's not in the credits at the start it's not in the credits at the end so, you know, you have to you have to have a certain level of intelligence to be able to pick up on the fact that this is just Emma but in a high school. Yeah, there isn't Which, even by like the way, a, there isn't even like a, a helpful scene in e, like in EZA, there's a scene where they're all reading the Scarlet Letter. Like they don't even have that where they're yeah. All, yeah, reading Emma. Yeah. So it, it, it you know, it it's a it's a film that like um, you know, uh, it, it kind of expects you to know something. And I think <laughs> for some critics that was kind of like, you know, Mm-hmm. something that they all missed sure. um but you know most of the reviews were positive and uh you know i feel like this has been a good experience <laughs> at this point having done three films minute by minute i have no idea if i really want to go and do a fourth film minute by minute <laughs> so <laughs> you know uh i i, I guess that'll be something I, I can decide you know in a couple of months time after i've stopped talking about clueless all the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but if anyone has any interest in other films that are being done minute by minute, then there is a uh, a website which was thoughtfully put up that uh, links to all the different films that are being covered in this manner called uh, moviesbyminutes.com. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you can always visit that. You'll find a talking cast and the cast next door on there previously. You'll find As If and you'll find Back to the Future Minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you very much for both of you guys for joining me this week. Um, thank you for letting us be on. <laughs> yeah uh, and hopefully you know we'll maybe talk in the future about something <laughs> yeah <laughs> goodbye bye, bye. everybody
Thanks for listening to this episode of As If, the podcast all about Clueless. It's produced and edited by Darren Husted. This episode was hosted by me, Darren Husted, with my guests, Scott Corelli and Nick Jimenez. Like us on Facebook at As If, the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at As If underscore podcast. And follow us on Instagram, As If podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes or the podcasting app of your choice. And please rate and review if you enjoy. Clueless is owned by Paramount Pictures. No infringement is intended. All rights reserved. Copyright 2016.